Hey Property Insiders, I'm Mike Stenhouse and this is episode 217 of the Inside Property Investing Podcast where I get some practical tips from Dale Smith on running a customer-focused serviced accommodation business and making it work in a great little tourist spot on the East Coast instead of thinking it only works in big cities. Before we get into the show, let's just take a minute to thank our sponsors for making this podcast possible. For those of you looking to move more into development projects, then you need to get your sourcing and appraisal processes nailed down. You're probably already well aware of that, but how exactly can you improve that process? Well, that's exactly what I've been trying to do since hearing more and more developers talk about Land Insight and how critical it has been to helping them find great off-market deals. It's kind of difficult to sum up in a sentence exactly what Land Insight actually is. Their website says that they help you acquire off-market opportunities using game-changing technology, but let's break down what that actually means. The main interface is built on top of Google Maps, something that you're likely already familiar and comfortable with, but on top of this it adds a number of really interesting layers or overviews, like the ownership layer to show site boundaries, owner information and title documents. A planning layer, which can give you the full planning history of a specific site or a whole area. And the comparables layer, if you want a visual overview of nearby sold prices or to use the built-in price per square foot calculator to get the most relevant data for calculating the GDV of your next project. All of these layers have powerful search functionality built in as well, so if for example you wanted to search for all rejected planning applications within the last 12 months in your target area, you can do that. Or maybe you want to find all sites owned by Tesco and any of their subsidiaries for your next airspace development project, and you can do that as well. Obviously, you don't need to keep checking back manually for new planning applications either because you can set up alerts for any of your planning searches. And finally, once you've got your sourcing processes nailed down using all of these tools, you can also use Land Insight to track every other stage from appraisal to contacting the owner right through to closing and completing on the deal. Keeping track of all of the important information about this site, including all of that planning and ownership information that's discussed in the individual layers, and your own notes and comments and documentation as well, so that your pipeline is always growing and always moving forwards. That's obviously a lot to take in, so you can either just take my word for it that it's awesome, which it absolutely is, or you can find out for yourself with an extended free trial and personalized walkthrough from one of the Land Insight experts exclusively for the IPI audience. Simply sign up for a free trial at landinsight.io and use the promo code Inside Property Investing, which is all one word, to get this exclusive extension to your free trial and the walkthrough from the team. Today I am delighted to be sitting in sunny Saltburn and it actually is genuinely sunny, which is nice. It's uh, It was snowing here last week, so it makes a nice change. We've got a great view. I'm with Dale Smith, who we interviewed last year. Around about April we released that. It was episode 177 and at the time he was just on the brink of leaving his successful corporate job to enter into property full time. He wasn't lacking experience in the property world at that stage though. He already had 27 properties under his belt along with his dad who he's been working with pretty closely, uh, particularly so over the last 12 months. Um, and we thought it was time to revisit him 
now that he's had a little bit of time to focus on this full time, as I say, and also it's a good excuse to get a, a trip to the East Coast and get a bit of a break for Victoria and I. So, Dale, welcome back to the show. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, no, thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Um, like I say, if anyone wants to get the real background about you know how you got into property investing, what you were up to prior to this, it's quite an interesting story. You had golf scholarships to San Diego. Mm-hmm. You yeah. scaled the sort of automotive corporate ladder pretty successfully. I think you were 29 at the time. You're 30 now, is that yeah, right? 30 yeah. Now, yeah. So great backstory there. But rather than recap all of that, we'll direct people back to episode 177. And if they want to hear the kind of nuts and bolts of how you got started, there was a lot of really interesting information there about the single let portfolios, yeah. double-digit yields you're getting on them. Yeah. So well worth listening to. Uh, but in terms of today, like I say, we're about 12 months into uh, you being a full-time property investor. Yep. And yep. Uh, I guess we want to kind of figure out how that's going for you. So as a sort of broad question to start us off, how have you found it? Have you enjoyed being uh, out of the corporate world and being your own boss for the past few months? Absolutely. It's been yeah. fantastic. Busy year. Um, not much holiday time. Yeah. So far, I managed to get, get away a couple of weeks ago for for 10 days, which was pretty much the first time in 12 months. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been exciting, um, you know, big difference between putting a lot of hours in for somebody else versus doing it for yourself. Yeah. Um, and things have moved quickly over the last 12 months. Um, the property portfolio has grown. Yeah. Um, we've done seven pretty intensive projects okay. over the last 12 months. Um, so we're getting close to the end of those. My dad's relieved that we're getting to the, I can imagine, to the end of yeah. those as well. Um, but yeah, things are going great. Um, we've evolved into um, other smaller businesses as well, um, coming on board. Um, so increased our different revenue streams mm-hmm. um, across across the different businesses. So that's promising and moving forward well. Okay. Um, so yeah, all in all, good good first twelve months, I would say. Superb. I think one of the things that we spoke about last year, and you've just brought it up there, is this idea of being able to do more deals in a short space of time. Yeah. Twenty seven projects prior to making it your full-time job that was yeah. from around about 2004 that's right up yeah. to start 2017 so yep. 13 years yeah so seven in a year that's yep. a hell of a lot quicker in terms of progress do you think that momentum do you want to keep that up is it a volume of deals that you can keep up um last year was busy probably we did more than we wanted to really mm-hmm. in the year we had some deals that rolled into the year that were were delayed okay uh, and then we had some good opportunities that we never planned on doing, yeah. um, but that we couldn't turn down. Okay. Um, so I would say last year was a little bit indifferent to what we expected, but it was good in terms of you know being able to to really push through some um, tougher times in terms of actually time it took, takes to do each particular deal. Yeah. Um, but so it's something we probably wouldn't structure the same way again going forward. Um, but lots of learning curves yeah. that'll help us going forward as well. So. Okay. So do another seven in a year, probably not. Um, and really now we're cherry picking the bigger deals that might take a longer time to do. Um, but from a cash and capital point of view, we're going to be a bit more intensive, but yield bigger rewards than, than what they would have done previously. Okay. And I think that's a big change for you as well, right? Because yeah. previously it was smaller, single let, relatively yeah. straightforward refurbs. Yeah. When you're talking about seven deals now, I mean, some of these are big old projects, yes, the size of deals skilled up as well as the volume of them. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, we're sat here in the, in the beach house just now. Um, so this property, we were just completing the refurb um, mm-hmm. last time we spoke. Um, holiday let property going really well the first 12 months, um, doing well so far this year as well. And this was, this was a project that really kicked off the bigger deals for us, if okay. you like. Um, since then on, we've gone to do a few more commercial properties 
and then do our biggest deal to date, which was a purchase of a freehold property um, that's now being split into five um, leasehold properties as well. Why, why did this one spur off bigger projects? Did the market change? Did your aspirations change or your confidence? Confidence, I think, mate. That's the biggest difference, you know, being, being confident in what value we could, we could add, really. Mm -hmm. So um, if we take Burnside here, we paid 180 uh, 180,000 for this property um, we spent just over 60,000 um, on it. The work ended up being more than what we thought. We were forecasting originally about 35, 40k in terms of spend. Okay. Uh, uncovered a few issues that needed uh, needed fixed and took a little bit longer. A few um, issues like the back of the building falling down. Yeah, so we had a yeah we had minor, a, minor, so minor minor things. Yeah, so okay. minor things. So you know this property we was back to the brick. Um, so it had historical issues of damp. So every single wall in the property was was stripped back um, so that we could fix that and damp proof. Uh, upon stripping that back, we found um, a little bit of uh, what you might call bodge job in terms of uh, some of the walls that over time had just not been repaired properly. So um, so we had to do a bit of restructuring from that perspective as well. So okay. all in all, it took a little bit longer than we expected, cost a little bit more money, um, but we managed to get an end uh, revaluation of 325,000 uh, and then subsequently refinance the property. So. You know, all of the capital that was invested um, was pretty much pulled back out of the deal. Yeah. Um, and this property now has a holiday let. Um, we thought would run at probably 70-75% occupancy rate across the year. Obviously peaking in the summer, mm -hmm. uh, a bit quieter in the winter. Um, but if we looked at through some of the numbers now, we're, we're going to average over 85% for the year. And we're 90-95% we're to 95% occupancy rate uh, in the summer. So. Wow. Um, so a lot better than, than what we thought. Uh, revenue from this particular property is going to surpass 50k this year. Um, and in terms of running costs, our average monthly running costs are around 17 to 1800 pounds. So you know some really good numbers. Huge margins in there. So if we could do some more of these, obviously we, we would like to. Yeah. Um, and albeit, you know, this has been a fantastic deal. One of those ones that that comes comes across your desk. Every every three, five, maybe ten years. Yeah. Um, so yes, we like to do more of these, but um, this was the one that really sparked that confidence to say, right, actually, we can, you know, we can push on and do a lot more from this point. Okay. And I mean, that was a big part of your plan. You didn't accidentally end up in SA. I remember when we spoke last year. This project was pretty much complete, like you said. Yeah, but yeah. you had made a decision at that stage that single lets they had got you to this position, but. Yeah in order to grow it, the focus was going to switch on to essay and commercial stuff. So you have stuck to that. This was a, a real intentional plan to, to go into this area. Yeah, absolutely. And if we look at the existing, the existing portfolio produce, you know, produces good revenue. Um, this, you know, one single property you're looking at this probably accounts for now, not quite a third, but almost a third of, of all revenue across the portfolio. And this is just, you know, one single property. And that's mm. what really attracted us to, yeah. to SA. Um, and especially that we manage and do a lot of it in-house as well really helps from our point of view. So okay. um, when we spoke last, um, my dad had just left full-time employment to start and manage the portfolio. I was just about to leave. Um, and now from it being kind of two of us going to be employed in the business, we've now got six people mm -hmm. employed in the business from management, maintenance, um, marketing. So all of a sudden we can cover off a lot of lot of different services which is great from our own point of view but also our clients that come on and work with us yeah we can now you know give them a full service experience yeah and you said this type of deal only comes along maybe every three or five years or yeah. so and i mean looking at this place is fantastic the figures are superb the yeah. finish is superb the location i mean you just you couldn't come across these yeah. every day if you yeah. wanted to 
What is the more, because you've, you've got other essays, you manage other people's essays, yeah. what's the more typical essay look like in this area? If you're talking like several thousand pounds profit on this per month, yeah. is, is that common or? I would say, so if we look at typical example, we would see anything from, in, in terms of net profit, operating profit, probably a thousand to fifteen hundred pounds a month in okay. this area. You know, we're the northeast coast, the luxury of northeast coast that land, is that land values are low. I think I said that last still, time. Yeah. You know, they are still low. If we take Saltburn as a little bit of a, a niche market, because we travel a mile out of Saltburn and land values are half what they are in Saltburn. But mm. you look at it in the, the grand scheme of the UK, property is still cheaper than the yeah. northeast of England. Um, and that has the added advantage to be the single let, that's great. But when you compare that or, or transfer that over to SA and you're you're probably increasing your revenue by three or four times versus a single left. Mm-hmm. Um, your margins are just moving massively forward on that on that basis. So, if we take a typical two-bedroom apartment up this up and down this northeast coast, to if it's a good finish and a good standard, we'd expect to get anything between 100 and 150 pounds uh, per night. 100 okay. in winter, 150 in the summer. Yeah. Um, and then your running costs off that typical running costs are probably going to be around. Twelve to fifteen hundred pounds per month. Okay. Um, but if you look at your revenue, summer two and a half to three k yeah. a month in the summer, you're still going to be sorry in the winter. There's still a little bit of margin in there, four hundred, five hundred pounds a month, perhaps. Yeah. But that's still significant in comparison to to run it as a single let all year. Yeah, and you're still getting good occupancy rates, even on. I mean, I say, I say lower end, certainly not lower end, but I guess this is a, a three bed yeah. cottage, if you like, up on the. The hills overlooking the beach, so you can see why this is so appealing. Yeah, apartments and everything like that. The smaller ones, you're still getting the same occupancy rates on them. Uh, still getting good occupancy rates. Um, we just take o- just took over a, a new three bedroom apartment, um, just five miles along the coast. Um, place called Port Mulgrave, lovely little seaside town, mm-hmm. a lot smaller than Saltburn. Um, and that particular client was with a traditional agent. They were getting around 55% occupancy rate for the last few years with a traditional agent. Okay. Um, we've applied some of our own you know, thinking and methodology to that. Um, we took over the management two weeks ago. We've generated just over £3,000 of, of booked revenue mm-hmm. uh, in the two-week period. And that's been applying some just logic that we've learned over the last 18 months or so, um, you know, creating flexibility. Um, for the guests in terms of how many nights they can book for mm-hmm. um, using the big OTA sites you know if we look online now booking.com Airbnb you know they're a go-to place for pretty much every person looking for um, for holiday accommodation in, in the UK or even or internationally yeah um, and by utilizing the traffic from those sites creating more flexibility if the apartment or the, the properties of good quality and we get some fantastic imagery as well we can really make ourselves stand out. Um, and that's where we've seen the, the big increase in one, um, driving more inquiries and ultimately driving more occupancy rates for our clients as okay. well. So for that one in particular, then it was 55%. You're yeah. expecting that to go up to what, maybe 75%? We forecast that as 75% for, okay. for the rest of this year with, after we've taken it over. Yeah. Okay. And we'd expect that to then then push on from there. Yeah. Um, so one key area for us is retaining the guests that come, come through each year. How do we retain more of those guests to come yeah. back? Um, and then using the OTAs to drive drive new volume and then retain the guests we've already had ourselves by having a website in place yeah. and some social media marketing and keeping in touch. And so that those customers 75% should start to creep up over absolutely. the years as well then. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a big passion area for yourself and your partner, Rachel. She yeah. comes from a social media marketing yeah. background. Obviously, you were very much into the sort of sales and business development yeah. in the autumn 
automotive world, yeah. motor trade, whatever you want to call it. It's another business that you guys are working on, creating yeah. a, a marketing and digital agency, as if you've not got enough on your plate <laughs> as it is. So this is something that you are extremely passionate about. And yeah. although you're applying that to a whole spectrum of businesses, applying it to SA is working really well for you. You yeah, are finding, you know, you're getting superb results from it. So for people listening to this with their own essays or thinking about getting into essays, you mentioned a few things there, but what yeah. has had the biggest impact on increasing your, your occupancy rates? Um, so if we, if a client joined us on, on day one or sat with, um, you know, we've got a couple of clients that we, um, that we advise for as well that are looking to get into SA or holiday mm. lets, um, first thing we would look at is, I suppose, quality of apartment and the furnishings. So are we going to, what market are we going for? Are we going to cater for a wide enough audience to drive occupancy yeah. rates? Because we want to make sure we don't, you know, target one specific audience and that audience not being big enough to then drive your occupancy. Yeah. And um, so if the if the property is of good quality or we can get it up to a good standard, the next thing we would then look at is making sure the properties um, has some fantastic photography. Mm-hmm. So all of our properties are um, photographed professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, correct lighting. Um, Making sure everything's set up and set up properly uh, gives a good feel for the for the user to see what the property would look like when they when they come. Um, you know, looking at the competition uh, out there, you know, a lot of uh, not great photography. You know, same as if, if you're scrolling down your iPhone and yeah. and searching for a particular place to stay, the one that's going to catch your eyes, the one that look, looks best as you yeah. as you scroll. Um, so that's one key bit to getting that initial inquiry okay. um, and then what we look at with clients is our strategy from day one if uh, they're not driving occupancy rate to begin with is how do we utilize the big OTAs, the, the Airbnbs, Booking.coms, HomeAway, TripAdvisor etc to start and drive day one volume mm-hmm. and then what we do is we put a process in place that we make sure we then start to retain those uh, guests going forward. So. All of our clients would advise that they have their own uh, website in place for, for each individual property, so okay. that one that guests can book directly, but also that we can start to look at other channels from a marketing point of view. Sure. And um, the great thing about digital marketing now is it used to be difficult to get the right message to the right person. Yeah. Now it's pretty simple with with what demographic targeting we can do, location targeting. We can find people that are looking for you know places to stay yeah. in the northeast of England as, as this is. Um, and target those people with, with our message, drive them into the website and drive more direct bookings, okay. um, which over time obviously increases revenue but also margin as well. Yeah. Um, you know, big OTAs are taking 15% of your, of your yeah, bookings value. Chunk, yeah. So if we can drive that down over time, year two, year three, we can get that down to sub 5% as, mm-hmm. a, as a blended percentage, then our clients are wondering for more occupancy but also increase their margin over that period of time as okay. well. Um, so that's something that you know anyone looking to get into SA um, or improve their SA performance. That's something we can you know advise on, help with, and, and service as well. Yeah, and I mean we can maybe share a couple of examples of the websites that you've set up for Burnside yeah. and for the one that we're staying in in Whitby. Yeah, they're pretty simple websites, Absolutely. but just really visually appealing. Yeah. The, you know, the functionality, everything that you need is there. Yeah, so it's yeah. not a complicated task necessarily, no. but there's some things that people can probably take away from them and reapply to their own. Yeah, definitely. Um, the thing that you said about driving more traffic, more direct volume, yeah. I think you said, I don't know if it's this one, you said direct bookings have gone from 25% up to 75%. Yeah, so yeah, Burnside here, year one, uh, over 75% of our bookings were through the OTAs. Yeah. Uh, of that 75% easily probably two-thirds from Booking.com. Okay. Um, so that's been the best performer in terms of OTAs for, for this particular property. 
Um, it's interesting actually how the properties that we manage perform differently on the different OTAs. Yeah. Um, so Burnside here does okay on Airbnb, yeah. um, but one of the ones we've just recently taken on is flying on the Airbnb, but not getting so much volume through booking.com. So it's interesting how different markets seem to react to different OTAs as well. I mean, you're talking different markets. They're like five, 10 miles apart, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah. it is quite niche as well. You do yeah, need to definitely. be testing all of these and see what works for you. Absolutely. We're setting Burnside here, which I said caters for, you know, all audience, six bedrooms yeah. on the beach, whether it's a you know a young family with a couple of kids and two dogs, yeah. to um, you know a retired couple looking to spend a week away by mm -hmm. the seaside, we, we we do cater for everyone. Uh, our recent one that we've taken on board a bit down further down the coast, quieter seaside town, um, you know not as many bars and restaurants to go to. Okay. So the demographic changes on that, you know not as many younger families have come in, but more um, you know the retired generation. So it's interesting to see from an OTA point of view that's actually started to we've started to see a shift in where the bookings are starting to come from. Yeah. Um, and that's something that's something we've already learned over the last four to six weeks mm. as we as we brought this property on board. So um, so definitely the demographic that your property suits and then which OTAs are gonna perform the best for you from that perspective. Yeah. Um, and then once once we get those in, as you say, it's about how do we how do we drive more direct bookings yeah. uh, from that point? And do you do anything to incentivize people to come? Like, are you, are you leaving anything in the properties to say, you know, next time book direct with us and you get a discount? Are you doing anything to so, encourage those relationships? So we don't do anything uh, in terms of discounts for next days. At, at this point, I think that's really come from the occupancy rates have been so strong mm -hmm. we, have, yeah. we haven't needed to. Um, but every guest that stays, we'll always let them know so they'll get a follow-up email from us the day after they leave. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll always suggest to them that if they want to book and stay with us again, then they do so direct because they will get the, the most competitive rate by booking directly with us. Okay. Um, and so we do that for, for all of our properties. And a lot of that process is set up and, and automated. So yeah. once it's set up and running, it doesn't take an awful lot of time to manage. Um, okay. But, you know, with this particular property, we've had over 10 guests so far that have rebooked the property whilst they've been staying in the property. So, wow. so okay. that's, a, that's a nice testament to, to obviously people enjoying it. Yeah, absolutely. And the other part of it, I mean, you say the OTAs can take up to 15%. Yep. That's a big chunk. Another big chunk of your costs here are you're running a customer service business. It's yep. short stays. You've got linen changes. You've got cleaning charges, maintenance call-outs, all that sort of thing. Yep. What does the, the business model look like for someone that's scaling an SA business? I guess if you're doing one or two, you can probably do it yourself. And, yep. Yep. But, I mean, how do you plan on growing that business? At what stage do you think you need to start taking on staff? Who are the first key hires that you need? What is Because you're becoming a hotel operation effectively, yep. Yep. right? Yep. So. So key ones, so next hires really for us. Um, so we're hopefully going to bring on board um, a property manager soon. Um, so we've got a candidate lined up for that. We're hoping he's going to come on board and join us uh, inside the next two months. Mm -hmm. um, and his role really, really will be to uh, start and manage our own portfolio. Mm -hmm. um, so that becomes hand-free because that does take a lot of time to manage. Um, but also where we're uh, managing a lot of the, um, of the holiday lets ourselves for our clients. Um, for that to be taken away and that taken on board as well. Um, definitely from a holiday let point of view, a lot of it can be automated, so it's intensive in terms of getting started up. Then a lot of the process can be can be managed, you know, remotely. Yeah. Um, but that's one key area for us. So the management side will be will be the first next the next hire for us, if you like. Okay. Uh, and then from a cleaning point of view, um, we've got um, we do some of that in house. Plus, we do have um, some cleaning staff that we bring in as we need to as well. Okay. Um, so that side of the business, um, 
we'll just continue to grow to grow that as more properties come on board. Yeah. Um, and really it's trying to get people that are flexible um, in terms of their time, but then also it's making sure the standards are kept right. So at the moment that's my, my mum's key job is making sure that the cleaning standards across all of the properties that are managed are, are kept uh, as it should be and up to, up to scratch. Okay, because you said you know, you've gone up to I think six full-time staff. Yeah, yeah. That it is very much a family business. Yeah, minute, right? It's yeah. yourself, your partner Rachel, yeah. your dad, your mum. Yeah. And at some point, I suppose, I mean, well, I, I get, I'm making an assumption here. I was going to say at some point, I suppose you do want to start outsourcing that. But with things like the cleaning and the linen, some people will use external linen companies, external cleaning companies. Do you think yeah. you will keep that in-house? Or um, we, we'll, we'll probably look to keep that in-house and keep control of ourselves and grow that side of the business yeah. ourselves, um, really to make sure we keep the standards right. Um, you know, we start we start off with Burnside, it, purely all the family doing it, my mum heading it up so that... Um, so that those standards were right, and I think we're, we're probably guilty of a family of being too much into the details sometimes that we, we keep too much stuff to ourselves in terms of then letting it go. It kind of speaks for itself in the results you've achieved, though. Keeping that close eye on detail, yeah. and you know, that's probably the reason you're getting so many rebookings, you're getting so many good reviews, because you're not letting these things slip. So yeah, yeah. you got to keep that in mind as yeah, well. Yeah, definitely. Suppose. I suppose it's a, it's a USP uh, yeah. of ours, and we see that all the way through from my dad's attention to detail on the refurbs, to my mum's attention to detail on you know the standards and the cleaning standards of each of the properties. Yeah. Uh, so for us, we'll look to scale up um, that in-house one, so we make sure that the service we deliver to clients um, is good, mm -hmm. probably the best it can be and also for the guest staying as well. Okay. Um, so I think that is definitely one of the one of the keys to it and driving that, that recurring business. Yeah, so I mean it is very much a, a customer centric business in terms of having to have more attention to detail and you are more customer facing than single lets and even HMOs. Is it a business that you think is, uh, is a good place for people to enter into the property world? Do you think it can be a good business for people listening to this thinking, I'm not sure which investment strategy I want to go after? Is SA a good place to start? Um, I think so. I think if you're just starting out in SA, then, um, well, it's either you find your feet yourself or, you know, try and find someone that has done it that can help you along the way because there's a lot that, you know, we got into it and we've kind of, you know, found our way through it. But we've all, the whole family really has been, in client-facing businesses, you know, mm -hmm. my mum, my dad, myself. Um, so I suppose we had a, a good insight into uh, that in the beginning. For someone getting into it that maybe hasn't been involved in in client services or customer-facing job roles, then it's maybe going to be a little bit different. You know, you're always Steve getting curve. exactly, exactly. Um, so it's more intensive, um, I suppose, more intensive emotionally and um, and in terms of the time and involvement it takes. But yeah. once it's up and running. Um, the rewards are, you know, the rewards are really good. Yeah. Um, and also, it's it's not taking every bit to heart. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we pride ourselves. We, for I'm trying to think, so sat in Burnside here, our rating on Booking.com at the moment is nine point eight. Um, and, you know, and you want to keep it ten out of ten for as long as you possibly can. But the time comes when one guest doesn't quite give you a ten out of ten, and they give you an eight out of ten or a nine yeah. out of ten, and it's not taking that to heart. You know, some of the comments. You might, you might get a handful of comments versus literally tens or hundreds of really good feedback, but it's the negative ones that you, you take time to place. You might have exactly, they do. Um, and it's just you know realising that that's the way some people are. You can't, you can't cater for absolutely everybody, but if you're doing a good job or a great job nine times out of ten, then your business is going to be successful from that point of view. Yeah. 
the the other side of your business, your investment strategy is the commercial units that you've been building up a portfolio of them as yeah. well. I mean, again, prior to to you leaving, you had a few of them under your belt, and you've yeah. grown that over this past twelve months as well. Yeah, I remember speaking about that last year as it being a strategy or an area that most people shy away from. Typically, yeah. you know, commercial to residential. Yeah, it's a buzzword at the moment. Um, but the idea of sort of the, the high streets dying, I remember us discussing this in that episode, but it's still working out well for you and you're still kind of quite buoyant on that as a, an investment strategy. The, the, yeah. These sort of A1 retail high street areas, yeah. it's all working out well. Yeah, definitely. And they're, they're still going strong for us, Mike, to be honest. Um, and we will, you know, we want to do more commercial. We will do more commercial as the opportunities come up. Um, again, our focus... Um, from a commercial point of view, it is within our Saltburn region. Mm-hmm. Again, if we move a mile away from Saltburn, commercial isn't as strong as this niche market. Uh, so that's where our focus is. Um, we've done, since we last spoke, um, we've added another three commercial units, two as part of a, a bigger conversion, uh, one which has been a straightforward purchase of a, of a leasehold uh, commercial premises, yeah. um, ground floor and basement. Um, and that's been converted now into a into a coffee shop mm-hmm. um, that's doing really well. It's been open three four months, um, and you know it's an, another independent business for the town. Um, you know you've not got big chains coming in and, and taking taking the units, which is still good and creates a nice atmosphere within the town. Yeah. Um, but a pretty straightforward deal, but really good returns. So uh, we purchased that property for sixty two thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, we spent just under five thousand pounds on the refurb, so it didn't need an awful lot. Uh, a bit of damp proofing as the basements within uh, the seaside towns yeah. obviously need. Um, and then we've had our tenant come in there uh, and spent probably in the region of twelve to fifteen thousand pounds on on the fit out and turned it into you know a really good and successful. Uh, coffee shop mm-hmm. uh, and then we've had a, a commercial revaluation on that property of £96,000 so yeah. uh, within a six month period we've got a significant uplift in value that's yeah. meant that we can refinance that um, and pull more than our initial capital back out um, you know we've got an asset there producing good income yeah. uh, on a five year FRI lease so the tenant's responsible for the upkeep of the, yeah. of the building as well so um, you know, a nice simple deal that gets a good return um, that we'll pay down over the next 25 years and, and hopefully be one that gets passed down to the rest of the generations and continues to provide a good income. Yeah, I think what sets somewhere like Saltburn apart from, you know, this sort of image of the dying high street is the fact that you've got quite a big tourist trade here. Yeah. You walk down the main street and it is all independence. There is yeah. a lot of foot traffic there. So people are coming here wanting to spend money yeah we find the same in a few areas around us where not necessarily from a tourist point of view but sort of village centers around bigger mm-hmm. towns where there's quite affluent residential property around there and you notice that you know the retail traditional retail is probably dying off but mm-hmm. it's getting replaced with more boutique retail so boutique yeah. fashion places yeah. independent fashion places coffee shops gin bars delis yeah. all the more sort of like yuppie type yeah, stuff yeah. which is actually transforming a lot of these village mm-hmm. centers which yeah. have you know for the last 10 years or so kind of struggled yeah you are starting to see this resurgence and people moving back more into this sort of village community feel so i think yeah. there is a real opportunity in those small commercial spaces yeah um 
one of yours in particular you picked up, it was a ground floor commercial space and you've subdivided that. It sat vacant for a number of years. Yep. That's a great project that we've just had a look around yep. and we've got some footage that we'll put on the vlog that we're doing whilst we're here. But tell me about that project. Um, so that one was an old solicitor's office. Um, so you said it was a ground floor leasehold um, that then has uh, some offices at the rear of the first floor. Um, and that was all used uh, by the solicitor's office, so maybe I think they're client-facing uh, downstairs on the ground floor and then uh, admin offices up at the back. So we've ended up subdividing that property so that we could separate the, the ground floor from the offices. We then let the ground floor as A1 retail, mm -hmm. um, so a successful um, independent retailer that was already in the town and the smaller premises, okay. done really well over the first couple of years, outgrown that premises and therefore... I uh, wanted somewhere a bit bigger and also more on, on the, the main high street through the town. Um, we've then retained the offices ourselves. Um, so we're now using those offices for our property business and also for our marketing agency as well. Um, and then one nice little find with a property that we, we didn't actually know was there when we committed to buy the property um, was the basement. Um, and the basement, when we first found it, was full of rubble, rubbish, anything you think of that had been chucked down there, presumably for the last 20, 30 years. Yeah. Um, so I think there was about a foot and a half that I could just about crawl through um, when we, we first discovered it. Um, and subsequently, we've we've emptied that basement. We've probably spent three, five K on, on actually clearing it in labor and, and skips. Um, and that, that basement now, we were gonna, we were looking at doing something with it ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, we decided not to with everything else that we've got on the go. Um, and space is all burnt hard to come by. So we're now looking at letting that basement, we've got a tenant um, that's interested, that's gonna hopefully come and do something pretty cool with the basement. Um, they're going to have to invest some capital themselves to get that ready, which again is in, in our interest longer yeah. term. So from from going from one single unit, we're going to have that being subdivided really into into three yeah. three different units. Um, one retail unit, one potential, um, whether it be bar or gym bar, as you said, which is looking likely what it's going to be, uh, and also office space as well that we can utilize. So, yeah. um, so again, a, a deal that's worked out and quite diverse deal, I suppose. Um, but one that's worked out uh, really well. Yeah, and it's another advantage of this commercial property that uh, you just don't get in retail. Yeah, yeah. Commercial tenants will come in and they'll be happy to spend money doing up your property. So they're increasing the asset value yeah. as well as probably increasing the future rent that they're yeah. going to have to pay. Yeah. So it works out well Definitely. in a lot of different ways. Yeah. The final one that we went to have a look around, which again, we'll show the footage of that in the vlog, was... Um, I guess a title split, a big building that you've yep. subdivided into, I think, five, five units, different yeah, units, right. three yeah. residential, two commercial. Yeah. So again, are you happy to talk through some of the yeah, numbers definitely. on that one? Yeah, so uh, this was a deal we had in progress when we, uh, when we last spoke. Um, and we did an interesting one because we did a delayed completion uh, on this deal. So um, the vendor we had known for a period of time, so that, you know, that made in terms, in terms of negotiations a, a little bit easier. Uh, they'd also been in property for an extended period of time, so agreeing an exchange with delayed completion wasn't anything new to them. Trying mm -hmm. to negotiate that with, um, you know, your standard vendors a little bit more difficult, I suppose. Um, so we exchanged contracts on the property in April last year. Uh, we completed on the property in August, um, so we had an extended period of time where we actually took control of the building. We started planning permission to split the ground floor which was a gymnasium. Mm -hmm. uh, we've subsequently split that into two A1 retail units. 
Um, so we started planning permission and we were able to start work on the property straight away. So we were able to start the conversion once planning came through. We were able to start the refurb on one of the residential units as well. So from a cash flow point of view and, and from a capital point of view, it meant that we had a good five months to be able to start with the works before we needed the full funding in, uh, in yeah. place to actually complete the transaction. Um, so we purchased that property for 300,000. Uh, we're going to finish around 75, 80,000 pounds in terms of spend to do the conversion, do the refurbs, um, and end value is going to be in the region of 550,000. So okay. a good capital uplift, a capital uplift that we wouldn't have been able to achieve, I don't think, without creating the individual leaseholds. Yeah. Uh, first time we've we've done a title split, so again, being a learning curve for us, um, but. We, we've had, I suppose, experience of how holding a multi-unit property in one freehold can also get devalued, So, uh, which is the reason we did the title split on this one. So we've got a, a property just a few miles up the road, an old bank building, uh, three apartments and one, one cottage at the rear of the property held on one freehold. And when we had that revalued probably two and a half, three years ago now, the valuer actually devalued it 20% because it was held on one freehold and therefore individual units couldn't be sold off. So they're thinking about sold off. resale value. Absolutely. Okay. So that was really spark for us. So if we're doing one of these projects again, yeah. if we're doing it purposefully to do the leasehold or the title split and create the leasehold, we're actually therefore probably adding 20% on the value by doing so. And that's definitely been the case with, with this particular property. So we, we're just going through the refinance um, on the commercial units actually supposed to complete today. Um, so the two commercial units will move off the bridging loan that's in place uh, to purchase the property, uh, leaving the three residential properties still on the bridge. Two of those refurbs are just about complete. We'll then go through the refinance process on those as well, which will fully release the bridging loan. Um, and then we'll look at then probably re retaining those residential units as well as the the commercial on this one. Superb. So, I mean, things really have been flying over the past 12 months. Yeah. Where do you go from here? Have you got, are you sticking with commercial and SA for the foreseeable future? Is the portfolio going to continue to grow? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, it will grow probably maybe a little bit, say we weren't strategic before, but probably a little bit more strategically in terms okay. of how we go forward. Our focus now is probably on some bigger deals. Yeah. Um, now that we've got the confidence of doing those and, and knowing the numbers and the stack up, that'll be our focus going forward. Okay. Um, so rather than, I suppose, little bits of time wrapped up in smaller deals, it'll be bigger chunks of time on on bigger deals that give us, you know, potentially bigger profits or create bigger uh, equity stakes in the portfolio as we go forward. Yeah. Um, that and that along with growing the other the other revenue streams in the business as well. And all the other businesses that Absolutely. you've got going on. Yeah, so that's it. You're going to be busy. Definitely. Okay. Definitely. Well, we will, uh, obviously we've got this blog that we will release just to give people a bit more of a visual uh, insight into what you've been up to in some of the projects. We'll make sure that that's linked to on the show notes page as well as some of the other things we've mentioned, the websites for your individual essays and so yep. on. But in terms of, I guess, uh, you continuing to grow your business and also helping other people, what type of uh, contacts are you looking for and how can you help other investors that are listening to this? Um, we spoke, I think, last time about our uh, our sourcing and management business. Mm -hmm. uh, so Investicity, we, we started that business just over 18 months ago. Um, and I suppose the philosophy of that business is really to help other um, property investors do you know what we've done and what we've learned over the last 15 years or so. Um, so whether that be investors that 
quite don't have the time to invest themselves. They've got the capital, but you know, due to other commitments, they don't have the time to put into to find the property, to manage the refurbishment process, to manage the property. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we can create that hands-free uh, service for them. So uh, we'll do everything from sourcing the property, managing the refurbishment or the conversion, and then we bring that into our management company. Yeah. Uh, and that can be anything from single lets to commercial property to holiday lets as well. Okay. Um, and what we typically do, we've got um, you know, we've got a number of clients now within the Investor City business. We, you know, we want clients that we can work with over an extended period of time. Um, there's a lot of sourcing companies um, out there that will find the property and then leave the client to then do the rest of it. You know, we want to build a business where we end up with clients that we we do business with over an extended sure. period of time. So our model really is building those personal relationships. Uh, if, if the client might be new to property investment, as we've had over the last 12 months, then we will we'll look at starting off with single lets um, with mm-hmm. the client to you know dip the toe in the water and start to get a feel for it. And then once we've done a couple of those, we'll then look to see right how do we best diversify from that point, um, you know, whether that's into commercial, whether it's into SA and holiday lets uh, as well. And I suppose what we're trying to do is the process that we've evolved in and our own personal investing is just speed up that process for our clients, apply our knowledge and our learning over the last 15 years yeah. to their portfolio from day one. Um, so they've got the peace of mind that you know we're, we know what we're doing, we're yeah. active investors ourselves and we're still doing our own projects, not just focus on doing other people's projects. Um, so hopefully that then gives them the confidence to, to come on board with us and uh, invest with us going forward. Okay, and I guess that's typically focused around your own investment area, northeast coast, the sort of tourist area from Sopran down yep. to Whitby. Yep. For people listening to this thinking, I need to get my essay from 50% up to 75% occupancy. Yep. I mean, some of the tips you gave, and is that something you can help people with directly through the, the marketing side of the business yeah, as well? Yeah, absolutely. So through the marketing side of the business, that's definitely something we can help with either from a consultancy point of view or from a hands-on uh, point of view as well. So. I think in terms of the process that we would go through in, you know, assessing the, the property and the quality of the property, um, you know, what market the client's looking to attract to their property, mm-hmm. and perhaps actually taking a step back and looking at what the what market the property is attracting at the moment and saying, right, is is that the market I want to attract or am I not attracting the right type yeah. of client? Um, and then developing a strategy out from that. So, you know, looking at it from a through a 36 to 54 month um, process to say right how do we start to grow the occupancy rate over a period of time how do we then start to increase the margin by driving direct bookings Mm -hmm. and how do we drive direct bookings through guest rebooking but also you know targeting those those particular markets through digital marketing um, which is both cost effective um, and also drives you know, really good results. Awesome. So what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Um, so probably via email. Um, so dale at investicity.co.uk. So that's I-N-V-E-S-T-I-C-I-T-Y. Um, and uh, and also just via phone, really. So um, you can get me and my, my direct mobile, which is 07951-447093. You know, happy to, to take a call, receive a text message or an email, whatever it is. Um, and then from there we can you know, have, a, have an initial conversation and see where we can help. Yeah, you're a brave man putting your phone number in the ether. <laughs> I protect mine as much as I can, but no, that's fine. And we'll wrap that up there, Dale. Thank you so much for your time once no again. Problem. Great to catch up with you. Congratulations on everything that you've achieved over the last 12 months. Brilliant, no, thanks. And uh, hopefully we get a chance to catch up again soon. Yeah, brilliant, thank you.
just before you skip on to the next podcast, I want to tell you about an open day that we're hosting in a few weeks' time focusing on our HMO projects. It's something I get asked for all the time, so I thought it was finally time to put something together for you. If you're interested in spending the day with me to get tours of some of our current projects and existing HMOs, get a behind-the-scenes look at our systems, our finances, every detail of our property business, as well as getting help with any problems that you're facing, then make sure you book a place quickly. We've only got six spots available. I'm hosting one day on Friday the 27th of April and one on Saturday the 28th of April. Both will be in and around our investment area near Manchester, starting at about 9am each morning. I genuinely doubt that these will be around for long and I've got no plans to repeat them anytime soon. So if you are interested in spending some time with me, then this is your best opportunity and get your place reserved now. All of the details are available at insidepropertyinvesting.com forward slash open date. That's all one word, O-P-E-N-D-A-Y. But as always, drop me an email if you've got any questions on mike at insidepropertyinvesting.com and hopefully I'll see you in a few weeks. Mm-hmm.